Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This is Dr. Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory, host of this podcast series, which is brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture and the F.A. Bartlett Tree Expert Company. Today's podcast is by Dr. Jake Misbauer. He is an arboricultural scientist at the Morton Arboretum. He will be speaking on the effects of restoration pruning treatments on damaged trees. Hi, my name is Jake Misbauer. I'm an arboriculture scientist at the Morton Arboretum in Lyle, Illinois. Today, I'm going to be talking with you about crown restoration pruning of storm damaged trees. I'll be going over um, what to do with trees from the beginning of uh, when a the storm occurs all the way through the, the crown restoration process, including a couple of projects that we've worked on recently that we've got some preliminary results for that I'd like to share with you. So without further ado, um, to start out with, I would like to just kind of begin by discussing what is crown restoration. And in the ANSI standards, which are the standards that are used in the United States, the American National Standards Institute, they define crown restoration as uh, restoration shall consist of selective pruning to redevelop the structure, form, and appearance of severely pruned, vandalized, or damaged trees. And in the ISA BMPs, looking through the crown restoration process, it pretty much outlines the exact same thing as a companion publication to the ANSI standards. So what are the important things to consider when we're talking about crown restoration. Well, first of all, while, when storm damage occurs and we're looking at the process of what to do, there are several things to consider. Um, you have to look at the severity of damage. How badly is the tree damaged relative to its size, its age, its location? These are all things that need to be considered. Um, the root stability, is the tree partially uprooted or are the roots uh, stably intact in the ground. Um, species considerations in your area, is this tree known to be a good compartmentalizer or poor compartmentalizer? Uh, do they typically respond well or not to, um, to being severely damaged? And will they be able to deal with the, the restoration process over several iterations of pruning down the road? So these are all things that need to be considered when, um, when considering what to do after a storm occurs. So starting with immediately afterward, the first thing that we need to do is remove all the hazards. In this picture, you can see that there's power lines across the, the street. There's several large hanging broken branches, trees on houses and across utility lines. All of those hazards need to be removed before we can even consider uh, starting any type of crown restoration pruning or, or even what to do with the, 
the standing trees that are intact. <clears throat> so once all the, the hazards have been removed, um, the next step is to stand up or stake trees if possible. Um, this is typically done usually with younger and smaller trees. And there's, with larger trees or even medium-sized trees if possible, there's cost considerations that need to be brought into account. So um, for example, this large spruce tree in this cemetery, uh, you can you notice at the back side of the tree and the, um, the root plate is, is lifted up off the ground and, um, and this tree absolutely needs to be removed. This tree, however, it's quite small and young. You can see by the, the stake on, over here that this tree has recently been planted. Um, if the root system is acceptable, this tree possibly could be stood up and restaked properly and monitored to make sure that the tree uh, root system is established. So getting on to what to do with the crown of the tree itself. The next step is to clean the crown, meaning to remove all broken and hanging branches, stubs, and any other uh, problem branches that you see within the crown itself. Here we see a, a tree that was damaged uh, some year ago in storm, and there's a branch that had partially severed, and it's laying horizontally across the, um, the crown, and it's still attached, and it's still alive. So this branch is now growing. It, it's still um, continuing to, you know, put out new leaves and everything, but it's laying across the forks of several other branches within the crown. And it is starting to, to have bad problems with inclusion within other branches. And um, in the long term, this will cause a major problem for uh, not only that branch itself, but other parts of the crown. Um, also in this picture, you'll notice several broken stubs. Those should get uh, cut off either back to a lateral branch or um, or back to the, the parent stem as well. Preferably, we do crown cleaning with uh, reduction or removal pruning cuts, but heading cuts may be the only option if damage is uh, very severe and there's really no lateral branches to, to do any reduction pruning back to. Um, I especially can um, ask you to look at the, the picture on the lower right, these three large silver maple trees. I'm going to be talking about a project in a little while, and I want you to think back to these trees when we look at that, what that project entails. So, um, so now once we've gotten to this point of, of standing up the trees, removing all of the broken branches, cleaning out the crown, uh, now we're at the point where we need to allow the trees to sprout. Sprouts are branches that arise either as epicormic shoots from dormant or latent buds, or as adventitious shoots that arise from undifferentiated callus tissue that forms around an injury. And that callus, uh, um, undifferentiated tissue is formed in the cambium um, forming that callus. So on the lower left, you see many sprouts that are um, spaced out along the, the lower branch and then several smaller sprouts coming out of the where it broke off on the top. So 
we've got um, all of these epicormic shoots along the branch and then either epicormic or possibly the uh, adventitious shoots up here at the very tip. And in this uh, lower right picture, you see um, sprout, the sprout is arising from undifferentiated uh, callus tissue after um, a removal cut had been made on this, this particular tree. So sprouting is a natural response to injury, um, and they're absolutely necessary for new crown development. Uh, with a loss of a lot of branches within the tree, these sprouts are going to be a major component of photosynthesis, so providing those carbohydrates back to the tree that it needs. Um, sprouts might, um, in some cases, it's been shown sprouts will help slow the spread of decay. Um, and the leaves on these sprouts will help um, protect exposed bark from the sun. So especially on um, thin bark, smooth bark trees that are susceptible to getting sun skull damage, the, the new leaves and the new um, sprouts will help to protect that. And over time, these sprouts will form the new crown of the tree. And it will take a while to develop over several pruning um, rounds, but over time, these sprouts will form the new crown. And the objective is not to try to be able to restore the crown back to its pre-damaged phase because it's very unlikely that it will ever get back to that, but it's to um, try to restore the crown to be a, a productive, uh, healthy um, tree that, that's within the risk parameters that we have set. So uh, looking at you know these sprouts again, the, the picture with the several sprouts spaced out along this lower branch. And on the picture on the right, there are several, um, a little bit older sprouts growing on this broken branch. These are still too young to worry about doing any restoration pruning on. We need to let these grow for a while yet before we worry about um, doing any pruning. Here you can see in this, um, this platinous tree though, this is uh, got a large sprout that had developed. You can see the old injury um, and then the, this large sprout that has grown up into the canopy. It, it frankly takes up probably 25% of the whole crown. Um, and so this is an example of where these sprouts over time will develop part of the new crown. Uh, this picture isn't really clear, but a couple of these other branches over on the left also appear to be sprouts. Um, but again, it's not real clear from this picture. Here you can see several old injuries on, on this tree that had been severely damaged in the storm. And from each of the major uh, branches, there are several sprouts growing up into the, you know, forming basically the, a majority of the crown of the tree. We take a close-up look at one of the main leaves of this tree, you'll see that there are several sprouts mostly originating from right at the top of the injury. So restoration pruning at this point is now needed to reduce the crowding of all of these sprouting branches that are growing very closely and very tightly uh, within that small area of that particular branch. So crown restoration pruning guidelines according to our current standards. Um, the, is, is a, a process of determining which one of those sprouts we want to have as the new leader for that particular parent stem. 
And then the general rule of thumb is to, with the remaining sprouts, remove one third of them, reduce approximately one third of them back to lateral branches or nodes, and then retain approximately one third of them doing no pruning treatment. Um, with the goal of spacing them out along the parent stem as, as best as possible. And again, multiple pruning cycles will be typically needed to restore the crown to a, a full functioning um, mature tree crown. So let's take a look at an example. This is an old storm damaged branch. The arrow is pointing to where the injury had occurred. And there are several sprouts and other branches growing right around the, um, the end of this branch. So all of these branches are sprouts either um, from the adventitious tissue or from epicormic buds that formed after this tree had been damaged. So looking at this branch, the first step is to determine the new leader and what branches to retain. So we'll retain these branches right here that the arrows are pointing to. And the large terminal sprout near the injury we'll call the new leader. And then we'll use reduction pruning to reduce a couple of these other larger sprouts so that they're not competing with that new leader for dominance. So it will suppress them. However, they're fairly large. And again, the sprout, large sprouts, um, there's evidence to show that they help uh, slow the spread of decay in, in, the, um, in the parent stem. So we want to maintain some that are, are fairly sizable when we can but reducing them will help to promote um, the, the new leader as, as the future parents stem on this branch. Um, and then we'll remove the remaining branches. So these small branches up near the top and, and a little bit further down, we'll remove them so that we have some branches that are still well-spaced along the stem, but we have a clear leader and still enough branches to help provide the, the, the carbohydrates that the branch and that the tree need. However, um, in some cases, especially if there's um, a lot of de noticeable decay near the very top of, of the stem, it might be better to make that large sprout on the left the new leader and, and cut off the parent stem above that at that point. So kind of giving, giving the whole stem kind of a start over point where this new leader um, is this large, vigorously growing sprout on the left. And again, there's a lot of um, experience and nuance that goes into um, these, these um, decisions. And it's um, something that needs to be considered and it's not a, a a situation where it's only one correct way of doing it. This is just to highlight that we can um, achieve the same goal by possibly doing different things. So I'd like to take a look at a couple different studies that we've been working on. Um, this study is a topping study on plat platinous oxidant talus where the trees were topped to simulate storm damage. Um, here you can see that tree six years later and the sprouts that had grown from the topping cuts over the years. Um, 
the close up on the left is simply the, the boxed in area here on the right. You can see where the old heading cuts had been made. And this particular one right down here had died back. So it did sprout initially, but, but the branches had died. Um, so, and you can see that these sprouts have made up the new crown of the tree, especially toward the top. So we wanted to look at how well the, the sprouts were attached to their parent stems. So we uh, conducted a series of static pull tests to measure the breaking strengths of the sprout attachments. Uh, the, yellow area, the yellow arrow here is pointing at, at where we attached a sling to the, the sprout just a little bit out from, the, um, from where the, the sprout originated on the, the parent stem. Um, and we pulled downward um, by anchoring some winches to a, a, a beam and, and secured it to the ground. And then out beyond the edge of this picture, there's a winch attached to a tractor that we used to, to pull on the rope and pull downward on the sprout. Just below the, the arrow, there's a load cell, and this measures the amount of force. So we measured the amount of force that it caused for failure. So we pulled these, the sprouts off of the, the parent stems or branches. So with our preliminary findings on this study, we found first that there were three types of failure. There's either failure in the sprout, failure in the parent branch, or woundwood failure. So here you can see this is a picture of sprout failure where the failure occurred in the sprout wood itself, not, not at where it, the sprout was attached to the parent stem. The parent branch failure occurred beyond the area where the sprout originated back into the parent stem. So the arrows pointing to where the failure occurred and the area circled is where um, the sprout originated. You can see that the, uh, the branch is slightly swelled in the upward um, turn of the branch where the sprout originates. And then woundwood failure. So the picture on the left um, shows where we pulled the sprout from and the other arrow points to where um, the original topping cut was made and where the sprout originates from. And then the pictures on the left just show the the branch after it had failed right along the wound wood. And that arrow is pointing toward the original, you can see the original surface of the cut on the parent stem um, with the, the growth rings and the wound wood kind of circling around it. And the top picture just shows the inverse side of that. And we also looked at wound wood closure. So after the sprout starts growing, some of the stems closed over so that it was completely sealed over, others did not. So this is one where there was partial closure over the original heading cut. And this, getting back to this picture, you can see that it had completely sealed over where the, the heading cut was made. And looking at the mode of failure. So what we found was that stress to failure, stress being uh, force times the, the length of the, the pole arm uh, normalized per unit area. So force times length per unit area gives us stress. And we found that with the sprouts, it took more stress 
to cause failure when the failure occurred in the sprout itself versus either in the parent branch or the wound wood. And we further found that when the wound was closed over, it took a lot more force, stress, to cause that to break than when there was only partial wound wood closure. So um, just to kind of uh, reiterate that when we had, um, there was a, no difference when, when the force went back through the connection of the sprout to the parent branch than there was um, when it, it failed off the wound wood itself, um, but there was a stronger um, or higher breaking stress when it was the sprout itself that failed. The second study I would like to talk about is a restoration pruning study um, that we did on silver maple trees or Acer saccharinums. So this test was conducted as a part of the Tree Biomechanics Research Week at the Davie Research Site in Sharersville, Ohio. And the goal here was to test the tree response and subsequent attachment strength to sprouts using different levels of restoration pruning severity. So with this study, 60 branches were topped from eight mature silver maple trees in August of 2013. We measured the diameter of all of our cuts, um, which were 7.7 .7 to almost 22 centimeters in diameter, so fairly large sized heading cuts. Uh, we measured the length of the branch, both what we removed and the remaining stubs, uh, the height of the cut, the azimuth, azimuth of the branch. So we were interested in um, if there were any different growth responses based on where the branches were in the crown in their direction. Uh, we looked at the parent branch angle and we measured the distance um, and diameter of any remaining little branches along the stub um, that, that we retained so that down the road we would know if those branches um, were there prior to the heading cut and if they were what was responding versus latent buds that had broken after the heading cuts were made. So we made all of the, the heading cuts and we let the trees respond for three years. Returned in 2016 to conduct crown restoration pruning treatments. Unfortunately, out of the 20, or, oh, I'm sorry, out of the original 60 topping cuts that we made, 19 of the branches had no sprouts. In other words, 19 of the 60 had died. Um, of the remaining 41 branches, 17 had only a very few number of small sprouts or were um, the decay was so extensive that we had to remove them from the study as well. And that left us with 24 branches that remained for restoration pruning treatments. So the four restoration pruning treatments that were applied were either a control where we did no pruning whatsoever uh, we, one of the treatments was following industry best management practices where we retained one third, we reduced one third, and we removed one third of the sprouts. We did a treatment where we retained the leader and then we reduced one half and we removed one half of the sprouts. And then finally, we re 
did a, a treatment where we only retained the leader. So the largest main sprout that was on the um, on that parent branch, we retained that and removed everything else. The original plan was to have a, a less heavy-handed um, pruning treatment as well, but given that we lost so many of the uh, of the replicates during the convenient during the three years after we made our original heading cuts, we had to remove that treatment from uh, from the study. We also, as is industry recommendations, we we removed the stub back to the top sprout. Here you can see a couple examples of that where the sprouts didn't originate right at the very end of the, the cut, but further back. So if there was a dead stub, we removed it back to the, the first main retained sprout. We measured the diameter and length of all of the sprouts, the distance from the topping cut to each cut, um, to each of the sprouts, and the size of the reduction cuts uh, for the sprouts that we reduced. So we let the trees respond for three more years, and then we went back to um, harvest the parent branches and uh, conduct measurements looking at the attachment strength of the sprouts. So here you can see um, the great team of volunteers. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of the volunteers over the several years during the, um, the, the iterations of Tree Biomechanics Research Week. Uh, there are too many to name them all in this short presentation, but uh, just a very strong heartfelt thanks to all of you. Um, so here you can see they're up in the, the tree removing uh, the parent branches with the sprouts and a picture of Jordan here holding the, uh, the, the sample that we harvested for, for pulling. So we cut the, the, the sprout out. Um, we, we measured the size of all the remaining sprouts. And then we conducted the pull test on the, the leader sprout um, where we, we winched it and measured the force until failure occurred. And from there, we conducted our, our breaking stress calculations. And here you can see a camera. We recorded each of these so that we could properly measure the, the angle of the, the branch to the, the pull direction when failure occurred. And the, the load cell here is measuring the force and recording it to our data acquisition system. Um, so preliminary findings were that when only the leader was retained, um, the sprout was more weakly attached than for either the control treatment or the leader, um, the treatment with just the leader and one half retained and one half removed. The treatment that follows best management practices where we retain one third, we remove one third, we reduce one third, um, there was no difference in breaking stress between that and the other treatments, suggesting that um, the, there's no nothing in this study that would suggest that that recommendation currently um, is uh, is any different than than these other treatments. But there's you know a few major caveats that need to be um, addressed here that we had a low number of replicates um, due to the high number of mortality and a lot of the top branches. Um, so it was very difficult for us to, to draw sweeping conclusions from this by any stretch of the imagination. Also, we were hoping to measure the extent of decay 
but given the um, advanced amount of dysfunctional wood through the parent stems and the size of them, there is just no way that we could uh, measure the extent of the decay given the constraints of, of the experiment and the, the amount of time that we had for the study. But absolutely more research is needed on this, um, this particular topic. So getting back to um, the size of the cuts, which had a lot to do with the amount of decay and probably a lot to do with the high level of mortality. Early on in this presentation, I asked you to remember those three large silver maple trees that had been damaged in a tornado. And you saw that they were had just several large heading cuts and that was all that could be done. So we need to consider silver maple being a, a tree that is um, not very good at compartmentalizing decay. It's got a reputation for being somewhat prone to storm damage to begin with. Um, is it, um, is that a good option for restoration pruning or are those trees that were too far beyond um, being able to restore? It's not something that I, I can really answer here right now, but it's certainly something to consider that when um, you get trees that, that don't compartmentalize well. Um, it, it's really, they really need to be managed um, fairly well in order to, uh, to justify keeping them, in my opinion. So there were a few additional observations that we had. So there was less dysfunctional wood observationally with the, the small number that we, we, we cut open, that we had time to cut open. You can see um, on the left, we had one major sprout, but um, here's the, the attenuation of the dysfunctional wood. Um, with these larger sprouts that, that this particular branch on the right had, you notice a much greater attenuation or narrowing or better compartmentalization essentially than um, than the branch on the right. And these cuts are about the same size. But you'll even notice that even with a small branch like the one that, that was growing here, there's still a, a fairly good band of, um, you know, your, the, the barrier zone is, is fairly well formed on the, the left side of this left picture, um, going down even to where there's a little stub you can see where we'd cut off another small branch uh, prior to pulling. Another observation, and this is an area that really needs to be studied quite a bit more, is the amount of cambial dieback from reduction cuts. So these are the sprouts that we had done the reduction pruning on, and there was pretty severe cambial dieback on a lot of the sprouts that we had reduced back to a lateral branch. And we did not have an opportunity to quantify this in any meaningful way, but observationally, uh, you'll see that where other branches, other than the, um, the, the primary lateral that we reduced back to, um, the, the cambial dieback went all the way back to wherever those other sprouts occurred. Now sprouts, especially in their first few years of development, typically do not tend to be branched very much. So if we reduce a sprout back to a lateral branch, and that's the only br lateral branch around that area, um, you know, in, in observationally in this study, we did find that in quite a few cases that there was extensive cambial dieback. 
So this is an area that we need to look at more, how the level, and if this is only, um, if this is different with, with these sprouting branches or if it's different with, um, you know, lateral more um, branches that originate not due to storm damage. So um, again, quite an area for, that's fertile for research uh, moving forward. So just to summarize, um, this, these studies generally support our current management recommendations, um, retaining all sprouts on the sides of the stem is encouraged. So if we have sprouts more laterally arranged, um, that is something that we should absolutely um, try for as our recommendations encourage. Um, I think it's better that we take a lighter handed approach to pruning vigorous sprouts, especially um, in that they are forming that new part of the cambium and the more vigorous the growth, um, anecdotally here, but also in other studies that have been done by other researchers, um, those sprouts tend to really play a strong role in, um, in preventing the spread of, of the dysfunctional wood. So taking a light-handed approach um, when doing the reduction cuts, I think, is, is something that we can, we can garner from these studies. And it might be better to do reduction pruning when sprouts are dormant or early in the growing season. All of these uh, treatments were done in August towards the end of the growing season. So the trees were at the, because they were at the end of the growing season, they didn't have much of an opportunity to really respond to the treatments before, um, before fall when they, they go into dormancy. So I think uh, it would be well worthwhile to look at if it, you know, if there are seasonal differences, especially in, in temperate climates, such as um, where this study took place, this, the, the latter study took place here. So um, with that, again, thank you to all the volunteers and the hosts at Tree Biomechanics Week, uh, Tree Fund and Davy Tree for uh, um, hosting the site and financial support. Um, Chris Harcheck, the research um, field manager University of Florida, where the, um, the sycamore sprout test uh, was conducted. He, he was a great help down there. Um, so thank you very much. I hope that this was uh, an informative presentation. This concludes Dr. Jake Misbauer's talk on the effects of restoration pruning treatments on damaged trees. This talk was originally presented at the 2020 ISA virtual conference. The views and information expressed are those of the presenter. Please join us next month for another presentation in the ISA's Science of Arboriculture podcast series. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need challenge traditional skills and modern techniques whatever language you speak you have a world to offer every day climb with the isa